We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithane.org.au. Welcome to church today. I want to congratulate you on making an amazing decision. That's to be here, or if you're with us online, what a great decision you've made because the church is God's hope for the world. And the more we invest in the church, being part of the church, it makes an incredible difference. So well done. Encourage you if you think about being baptised on Good Friday. It's going to be amazing down there. As you saw in our video, raining, hailing, whatever, we're down there and we're baptising. So um, we're not going to step back. We're going to step into what God has. So if you're thinking of being baptised, look, go and see the yes desk, someone at the yes desk, or talk to one of the pastoral team or someone on the staff. Let them know we already have a, a whole group of people, young and old, getting baptised. So I encourage you, if God's putting your heart to be baptised, we would love to see it. I want to pray. I want to ask God to speak to us today. Lord, I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes today that we'll start to see prayer as God sees it. Lord, I pray that you remove the lies the enemy has put in our hearts, the deception and the secretivity in which he's worked to try and stop us from praying. And I pray for every one of us today that there'll be a fresh heart for prayer, the power of God to change the world. Amen. Amen. Well, we're doing a series on culture, as you picked up, if you've been here for the last few weeks, and it's been great to do this series. Now, culture, what is culture? Some people don't know what culture is. Culture is the characteristics, the knowledge of a particular group of people. It's their patterns, behaviour. It's what they do together as a team. It's their group identity. It's the way they socially interact. So culture is how we do church. Now, just because every church in our nation would um, go to the same Bible doesn't mean the culture of every church is the same. It tends to be different. And culture gets built up over a period of time through the work and the diligence of people. We have habits and we work as a team and in a team with those habits, we develop habits, some good and some not so good. And culture becomes a combination between what we create and what we will allow. Let me give you an example of culture. Even this morning, when I was driving to church, I heard a mower going on Sunday morning. And that took me straight back to my culture as a kid. Every Sunday morning, Dad would mow the lawn. And every Sunday morning, there were three boys, we would head for cover because Dad hated mowing the lawn. And when Dad was mowing the lawn, you would know that he was cranky, he was going to get our kids to do something. And if he found something that we hadn't put back in the right place, duck for cover. So every Sunday morning was traumatic. I wasn't a Christian. I never went to church. A couple of times someone offered to take me to Sunday school, even though I hated every moment of Sunday school back then. It was far better than being at home with the culture that Dad had created because we always got into trouble. We always messed with his tools through the week. 
and they had tried to find his tools because the mower all, I think every Sunday morning that mower wouldn't start. Every Sunday morning he'd have to change the spark plug. Every Sunday morning he'd have to find his tools and when he couldn't find them, we were in big trouble. That was our culture. Does anyone have a culture from the past that, that, that does the same to you? You know what I mean? We changed our culture. Do you know how we changed the culture as we kids grew up? We mowed the lawn through the week so we survived Sundays a lot better. We were smart. That is culture. And culture is so important. As we create culture in our church, it is so important. We have some great culture in churches. We have some terrible culture as well. I remember when um, we had a team of people who were going around different churches. And as I went around these different churches, we had a group that sang, people gave testimonies, and we'd get to know different churches. And I'm thinking, Kevin Bradshaw, I'm sure you know what I'm going to talk about. We went to one particular church and we would always help after tea. We'd have tea, we'd do our musical production at the end, then we would help clean up. We're in one particular church and we helped clean up. We did the washing up amazingly. We put all the plates out and then back in where they needed to go and I could hear the anger and the yelling when they said, the red plates didn't go in the red section. The blue plates didn't go in the blue section and the green plates did not go in the green section. Do you remember it? And they were so cranky. God was working our lives, transforming our hearts. We were just excited to know Jesus. We didn't care where the plates went. Jesus was God. But to them, where the plates went was their culture, and if ever anybody messed with their culture, look out. Have you been in a church where the culture has bit you? <laughs> where the not-so-good culture has knocked you for a six? We are trying to create a culture here at LifePoint that really makes a difference. And in the past two weeks, AB has introduced and done an amazing job as he talked about, here at LifePoint, we will honour God, His church, and one another. That's a culture we wanna see, that we honour one another. I, as a pastor, am no better, off, better than the person who is new today seeking Jesus. We honour one another. We don't put um, a hierarchy where people are better than each other. We honour one another. And then last week, AB talked about we dream big, we aim high, and we're not afraid to fail. That we do big stuff. We try to do big stuff. We pray for some incredible healing. We pray for God to, to transform lives and hearts. We're praying for revival in this nation. We are aiming big. We're not afraid to fail. What's the worst thing we can do? We can fail. But man, we'll get lots of ticks because we aimed big and we aimed high. And that's what God wants, because I see it in Scripture. And today I want to talk about one of the most important things we can do in a culture, and it's simply we pray bold, faith-filled, expectant prayers. To pray prayers that are bold, that are faith-filled, and that are expectant. We are expecting God to answer these prayers. And at the moment, as we're praying for revival for our nation, and the whole Baptist movement this year, every Baptist church in, in Queensland is focusing on praying that God will revive our nation, because they really believe it. And as we pray these prayers, we are believing that God is doing something big and something amazing. And we're seeing the, the movement of God gradually come together. So when we pray big expectant prayers, we want to pray prayers that don't insult God. I could pray for a prayer to say, 
God, help me finish by um, 10.30. <laughs> but man, I can do that myself as long as I stick to my notes. But to pray prayers that if God doesn't answer them, there's no way they're going to come through. They're the prayers that need faith. They're the prayers as we lean into God with faith that make a difference. God is the God of the impossible. And I want to nail that this morning, that there is absolutely nothing that God cannot do. God is the God of the absolute impossible and does amazing things. We want our church to be a place where we launch these prayers to God, believing by faith that God can do amazing stuff against all odds and that He does it. And we see His hand move, we see His power work, and we see God achieve these amazing, great things. Now I'm gonna ask Beck to come up now. And Beck's just gonna share just a little bit of her journey and how God come up with some answers when she prayed. So thanks for doing this, Beck. I really appreciate that. That's okay. I'm excited to share my little prayer story with you. Um, so for me, it was about um, probably May last year. I was um, trying to finish a diploma of remedial massage just after the COVID lockdown. So um, I was trying to get back into that and get some motivation. Um, but to be honest, I was feeling quite um, lost. I didn't really have a lot of direction. I didn't know if that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I was down at the beach one morning, which is my happy place, um, having a coffee. And I was, um, I was praying about this and saying, God, I really don't, um, I don't really have much direction at the moment. Wondering if you could give me something, you know, a word, a vision, a sense of what's to come, something, anything. Um, and oddly, I felt somebody standing next to me at that time, and, um, and I turned and I saw AB. Um, and I quickly forgot what I was praying about, and um, he'd just come out of hospital, it was last year when he'd had the gallbladder stuff, um, so I was kind of just surprised to see him, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're alive. Like, I didn't say that, but that's what I... That's what I felt like saying. Um, so we chatted briefly for a couple of minutes. He was out walking with his mum and his dog and, um, and then we went our separate ways. And as I was driving away from that, I kind of, I kind of went, oh, hang on, that's, that's weird. That's quite a coincidence that I might be praying for God to give me, um, you know, a sign of what's to come or a sense of what the future might hold. And um, so I knew what God was saying straight away that AB may be in my future. Um, and I quickly told him that that was a bad idea um, for a whole list of reasons. Um, I wasn't looking for that. That's not what I was praying for. Um, but I do trust God and I said, God, um, you know, just show me what I'm missing. Show me what I'm not seeing here. Um, show me what you see. And so he did that um, over the next little while. Um, we got to know each other and I got to see this man in a different light. Um, and it's so funny how God just takes glasses off at a certain point and you just think, oh, hello, didn't see you there before. Um, and so there was another few um, moves of God and um, Pastor Lloyd um, played Cupid so beautifully. Um, so if anyone's, you know, looking to have a date, you've got your eye on someone in the church, Pastor Lloyd can probably help you. God inspired, yes, absolutely, used by God in the most beautiful way. 
Um, and so we had coffee together and I knew, and I think we both knew fairly um, quickly that we were, uh, had a special kind of connection. We had something special um, together. Um, so here's what I learned about prayer. God didn't answer my prayer the way that I asked or I expected. He didn't give me what I wanted, but he gave me what I needed. Um, and he just showed me the next step. And really, that's all I needed. Um, if he had have given me any more, if he had have given me this big vision or future plan that I was asking for, I wouldn't have believed him just like I didn't believe when he put AB next to me. Um, so he really just gave me what I needed. Um, and it really gave me the hope that I needed at that time that God did have a plan for me. Um, you know, that he wasn't distracted with somebody else's life or that he'd forgotten about me. Um, but he was just waiting for the perfect timing to show me the next step in the journey, um, adding the next piece of the puzzle in a really beautiful, personal way to me. Awesome, Beck. Thank you for that. What were those words you said to AB? Oh, um, who are you or something? <laughs> are you? Yes. Awesome. I have to remember those words. I remember the morning I, um, Lloyd came to me and said, should I play Cupid? <laughs> I think you've got my answer. There's two things about prayer. One is we find it difficult and confusing because God doesn't always do it the way we plan. The other thing about prayer is it is amazing and there's nothing that our God cannot do. This morning, I want to look at the amazement of prayer and I just want to let you know, next week, I'm going to look at the complexities of prayer, okay? Because I'm aware for some of you, as I preach this this morning, you're going to have questions. You're going to say, what if? Why didn't God answer my prayer? I hear you. I understand that. I understand we, we have prayers answered in ways we don't expect it. I understand that. That's next week. Hold those questions for next week. Let's look at prayer this week. God saw the world was a mess, and God works, walks heroically with us through this world to be the people that God wants us to be. And so often in Scripture, we have those words, then the Lord intervened. I'm sure in your life you would say, this was happening, I was on the beach, I was praying about my being, a, being able to massage, and then the Lord intervened. I'm sure there's stuff in your life where the Lord intervened. Throughout Scripture, there are some amazing stories where the Lord intervened. Here we have the, the people of Israel. They have just been set free from the Egyptians. Here they are heading straight towards the Red Sea. They have the Egyptian army chasing them and they are pinned against the Red Sea with a, a, an army fired up to murder and kill every one of them. And I'm sure Moses is saying, God, now would be a time to intervene and God just opens the Red Sea. We had three guys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, because they didn't do what the, the king of the time wanted them to do. They get thrown into the fiery furnace and then the Lord intervenes. You know, I wonder why God does this. Have you ever thought of the character of God and why he does this? I could write a story about the people of um, Israel being chased and cornered at the Red Sea. And the, and the story could go like this. And then the people beside the Red Sea 
saw some rafts that had been left by another tribe all lined up against the Red Sea. They got into the rafts. They gradually got across to the other side and they kept the rafts at the other side so the Egyptian army couldn't go through. It's a boring story, isn't it? There's something about God and the miraculous. You've got to understand the character of God. There's something about God when He turns up, when He (laughs) intervenes, that He shows that He truly is God. Some of the the stories in my life and the journeys in my life, if God had intervened earlier, I wouldn't have a testimony about how great my God is. I wouldn't have fallen in love with God as much as I have if I didn't see that if it wasn't for the hand of God in that instant, man, I wouldn't appreciate how powerful God was. If God was gonna save Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from the fiery furnace, Why didn't he change the king's mind before he threw it into furnace? Why didn't he allow them to escape? And then Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego saw an open door when they're in prison and they just silently slid out that door and hid so they didn't get to the fiery furnace. But God is a God of the spectacular. Throw them into the furnace and then I'll show how big I am. Elijah on Mount Carmel, there he is, trying to um, do a battle against all the powers of darkness on this mountain, puts out an altar which um, all the the powers of darkness couldn't send fire down and um, devour. But here he is and on that altar, he says, throw some more water, throw another bucket of water, make it as wet as you can, because when my God turns up, he will turn up with power, and he did. God wants us to know through these Scriptures and through our journeys in life that God is an absolute God of power and authority and there is absolutely nothing that God cannot do. Do you believe that today? Because that's His heart. He wouldn't have left these stories. He wouldn't have let people hanging on as long as they have if He didn't want to prove to us that there's absolutely nothing that God couldn't do. Goliath, haunting a whole nation for 40 days. No one's game to go near him. And this dark-haired, freckled little guy called David with a slingshot proved that God was bigger than any giant. It's not your bigness that is going to get the victory. It's who you belong to that's going to prove the victor. And just remember that. It's not how good you are. It's about who he is and what he can do. And again, I want to say there's absolutely nothing that God cannot do. Scripture says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. There is something about praying. There's something about the power of prayer. The prayers of God's saints strengthens the unborn generation against the desolating waves of sin and evil. Prayers are like investments in a bank that can never, ever depreciate. The prayers of God's saints are the capital stock in heaven by which God carries out his great work on this planet. The movements of God here on earth are direct results of praying people. Earth is changed and revolutionised through praying people. 
angels move in more power, and God's plan is fostered more rapidly as prayers become more numerous. The mighty successes that come to God's cause are created and carried on by prayer. When God's church gets on her knees and makes prayer a priority, we will see the mighty hand of God move like never before. Prayer makes a difference. That's the heart of God. Prayer makes a difference. Throughout our lives, Meryl and I have appreciated the, the power of prayer in many different ways. I remember when God called us to plant our church in, in Thierry. We went to Thierry. We thought we had it together. We thought we knew how to plant a church. We had the recipe that we thought we would work. Would work. We were there for, for nine months. We started with three people in our church, and after nine months, we had exactly three people in our church. After nine months, we had no impact or made no difference on that town whatsoever. Great church planters, great church planters, zero, zero growth. And I remember we come home one night, when one night we just sat in the lounge, we said, it's just not working. God's called us, but it's not working. Why isn't it working? And God just put on our hearts, if you want to change this town, prayer will change this town, you won't. So we started to pray. We started to pray like never before. We started to create a culture of prayer to pray big, bold, audacious prayers, believing God. And from that moment, a transformation happened. And people just started to be touched by God. I remember preaching one sermon to almost an empty hall and uh, making an appeal at the end to three people who I knew were saved. But I didn't know two years later that there was a lady sitting out on a bench outside that hall that listened to everything that gave a heart to Jesus outside the hall that we never knew about because God was at work through prayer. That's the power of prayer. When we start to pray, when we start to trust God, great things happen. And as we pray, it's not just praying a prayer now, it's the prayers we pray add to other prayers that have been prayed that makes a difference. Even when it comes to a point when we're dead and we can no longer pray, the prayers that we have prayed will make a difference. The hearts that have reached out to God and there's been many hearts in this church and I've sat in many prayer meetings where some wonderful saints of God have been praying for revival and asking God to move in this place like never before. They're in heaven now, but their prayers have been heard by God. I want to remind you that every single prayer you pray is heard by Almighty God. Now just imagine these balls here are prayers. And just say you're praying specifically about your life, your family. So you pray about your family. So all these red balls, are you praying for your family? So you've prayed all these prayers and there's been one or two other prayers you've thrown there as a side and you prayed for a quick car park so God answered that prayer. You prayed for a bit of money to go to Macca's, so you got that. So, so those sorts of things, and they're the prayers, but the main prayers have been, you've been praying for your family, you've been praying that your family would come to know Jesus. It doesn't happen. So you give up. You stop praying for your family. So you start to pray for some other things. So let's start to pray for some other things. We're praying for the church, we're praying for revival, praying for another job, we're praying for a better better home and stuff like that. So we pray other prayers and it's like they're, they're all going into to this container and oh, there's a couple of prayers. I remembered my family and I prayed for my family there, stick those in. 
prayers are eternal. Every prayer that has been prayed, don't leak out of the basket, but they're prayed and God keeps them. And at times we get sick of praying, we decide. We decide that God is not going to answer this prayer because he's taking too long. So I stop praying. I stop praying for my son or daughter who isn't saved. I stop praying for the situation that I should have been praying about at work. And I think God's not going to do it. So it stops there. And God is waiting for you to believe him and his time to keep praying. So then you get back and you start to pray for my family again and keep praying for my family and keep praying for my family. Then I keep praying for those other things. And as we keep praying, remember, this container is being filled up with your prayers and the very prayers that you're praying. They haven't leaked out. God hasn't missed them. God has heard every single prayer you prayed. Do you know how? Let me read scripture to you. Revelation 8.3. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw seven angels who stand before God with seven trumpets that were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar, holding the golden censer, and much incense was given to him so that it might be added to the prayers of the saints on the golden altar, which is before God's throne. Your prayers. Are not missed. Your prayers are added to that golden censer before God's throne. And every prayer that's prayed is added to that. God hears every single thing. They don't disappear into oblivion. He hears every single prayer and he wants you to keep praying. On the other hand, the enemy who understands the power of prayer and the authority of prayer is doing everything he can to speak into your heart and your life to say, stop praying. Prayer isn't working, so give up. And God is filling this censer as you are praying, is filling it up with your prayers. And the enemy is saying, is giving it, give up, stop praying. It's not working. God's not hearing you. God's a God that doesn't answer prayer. God's given up on you. You're not good enough. God won't listen to you because of what you've done. Absolute garbage. Ask. Ask and it will be given unto me. The more we pray, the absolute difference that's made. God is shaping this world through prayer and through people who are being prayed for. I know in my ministry over the years, there have been many people that I've had the privilege of leading through to Jesus. And I would have to say just about every single person that I've prayed a prayer with to come to Jesus, back in their life somewhere, and I could talk about 40 or 50 years back in their life, there was a praying mum, there's a praying granddad, there's a great grandmother who prayed, there was a Sunday school teacher who prayed, there was an RE teacher who prayed. Let's give a cheer to the RE teachers who make an impact impact on so many lives. There have been people that have prayed through the years who prayed a prayer for them that God hasn't forgotten because the prayers of God's people are added to this on His throne. And then if you keep reading that, judgment comes on the earth as all these are thrown down to the earth. God hears what you're saying. God is opposing the enemy and what he's trying to do to stop you from praying because prayer absolutely changes lives. The Bible says 
ask of me and I will give the nations as an inheritance to you. Ask of me. He hasn't given it as a inheritance because we haven't asked. We're not passionate about asking. We're not passionate enough about praying to believe that God, if this is really you. And you say, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. And we really believe that we'll be knocking on the doors of heaven. We'll be praying, we'll be seeking God over whatever He puts on our heart to see the nation change. I wonder if what is happening to this generation, what's happening to our nation today, is because along the way we've forgotten the power of prayer. I wonder if the, with the generations, I wonder if the generation we see today is void of a prayer covering and that's why it's so difficult. I wonder if our generations, we had a prayer covering because the generation before prayed for us and God was able to do some mighty stuff for us and, and Sunday school and RE and, and doing what we like for Jesus. The, the pendulum was right over here and we we're a Christian nation, we we're a Christian country. Rather than shooting at the politicians and the people making the, the decisions today, I wonder if the reason we're, we've been moved right over here with the pendulum is because we haven't prayed. Ask of me and I will give the nation as an inheritance for you. And as we pray, I want to remind you of one thing. God is not a superhero. We come to God as though he's a superhero, along with Batman, along with Superman, along with Thor and all the Avengers for kids, along with Captain Underpants, who always turn up and always save the day. The Bible says he's not a superhero. The Bible says, he's our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. He's our dad. And as a dad, he knows exactly what we want. As, he, as a dad, he knows if we're on the beach praying about something else and he's got something else for us, he's going to bring that person. He's a dad that knows that may, maybe you shouldn't get what you're praying for just now because you'd be a sport brat if you were given too much and he makes a dad decision over your life or your circumstance or the healing you're asking for, that he makes a dad decision over that and says, hey, just wait, keep praying, keep praying, it's going to come, but I want you to know that I'm the Lord God Almighty. I'm the God that opens the Red Sea. I'm the God that walks in the furnace of fire. I'm the God that through the cross, I'll show you the power of the resurrection. I'm the God that... I am barracking for you and I will come through, but I'm your dad. And as your dad, I'm going to walk through the mess of this world with you so that you will be the best that you can be. And that all happens through prayer. In a moment, I want to pray a prayer. And the prayer is simply to take back the ground that the enemies put in our lives to say, prayer doesn't work. God's given up on our prayer. God's not big enough to do this. And I want us to start declaring through the power of prayer that God is going to take us into a new season.
that this is going to be a new day as we're praying for a revival in our nation. We're, we're, we're praying for a revival in our hearts that we're going to see and sense the presence of God in a powerful way as he starts to transform the nation. Think about it. Are you willing to ask God this question? God, teach me how to pray. For me and for my nation. Think about it. Are you willing to pray that prayer to God? He wants you to. There's no question that God needs it. God is hankering after this. God is just pleading for people to pray. And before we do anything or move or do any worship whatsoever, if that's you, I invite you to stand. If you're going to pray that prayer and say, God, teach me to pray, I invite you right where you are to stand because I want to pray that prayer over us, over this church and over the churches of our nation that we're going to see a movement like God like we've never seen before. Lord, this morning we want to do business with you. Lord, we know you are the Lord God Almighty and we honour that. We honour the miraculous. We honour the miracles. We honour the times that you've said to wait. We honour the times when you're teaching us something as you're walking with us, Lord, in prayer. And I pray, Lord, I pray over all of us as a church, Lord, may at Life Point Church teach us to pray. Teach us to pray like we've never prayed before, Lord. Teach us to move in the presence of God. Teach us to move in your gifts, Lord, that you've put in our lives. Teach us to move, Lord, in the power of God as we pray for people that we see God's will, your plan, your purpose unfolded. So Lord, forgive us for the prayerlessness at times when we haven't pushed through where, where we've, we've decided we've prayed enough when God is saying just a couple more prayers and you're gonna change the world. So Lord, this morning, I ask you, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Absolutely fill us and transform us here this morning. May we know the power of God in our lives. May we know the hunger to just be with God. And I pray, fill us, Lord. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit as we declare your goodness, as we declare your faithfulness. I pray, Lord, move in this place. Let your Holy Spirit just fill us with a sense of your peace, a sense of joy in the presence of God and joy in the Holy Spirit.